EXG has done it again with the launch of a new lineup of drivers, fairways, hybrids, and irons. The new Gen 5 golf clubs deliver significantly increased MOI, faster ball speeds, longer distances, and tighter dispersions, all coupled with the exceptional feel and sound golfers have come to expect from PXG. Schedule your custom fitting or buy online at pxg.com. And we're back, Stripe Show podcast on a Monday. I'm your host, Travis Fulton. Thank you for making us part of your day. Once again, hope you had a terrific weekend. Lots to talk about, of course, uh, football in full swing. We're winding down Major League Baseball. My team, the Mariners, lost a uh, nine-point run yesterday in the bottom of the six, gave up 11 runs. That was fun. And, of course, uh, some golf, President's Cup, lots to... uh, Talk about there and break down as the Americans continue to dominate as a, no one's surprised. They were heavy favorites coming in minus 750. Final tally 17.5 to 12.5. I enjoyed it and uh, lots to talk about there. Want to bring in a guy that I know was watching um, closely as well up in Connecticut. I've got a hurricane coming. Matthew Rudy with uh, Golf Digest. What's going on up there in the Northeast? We're, we're hurricane veterans up here too. We got hit, <laughs> hit with a few of those. Luckily, we we moved a little bit inland, so now it's just wind. So we're uh, yeah. we're rooting for you guys down there, though. It's, yeah. my, mom, my mom lives in Naples, so oh no, I wanted to hit somewhere where there's no people, especially not my mom. Yeah, we've been a little. We've been lucky, you know. It's been pretty quiet. Um, they've been missing us, but this one's got us lined up pretty good. It's gonna it's gonna get in that Gulf and strengthen, of course, and then. Mm-hmm it'll get to land and start to weaken, but they're looking at a, probably a hurricane. I would say category three um, down there. And then, and then the cone looks like it's going to come right up the state and hit us here in Ponte Vedra, probably about a hurricane one. So we'll get uh, hunkered down and, uh, and go through another one here. Uh, but before it gets there, there's uh, there's a lot of golf to talk about and I want to get to the president's cup. And I don't know for you, Matt, I, I watched a decent amount of it, had a lot of stuff going on this weekend, but you know, in a time where, you know, money is dominating every conversation, right? I mean, live golf, all this guaranteed money to come over there. And of course, Cam Smith and Mark Leishman and um, Joaquin Neiman, big names that have, you know, damaged the international side. But all these big purses, the PGA Tour now has changed courses, these elevated events, 25 million in the purse. I mean, everything is about money, right? I mean, that's what's making all of this turn. What are you doing for me now? What are you doing for me right now when it comes to the financial means? And of course, you get to the President's Cup, you get to the Ryder Cup, and it's it's everything, you know, it's everything that uh, is outside of money. You know, it's the team environment. You're playing for your country. And it just hits differently. And I don't know for you, but I, for me, at least it, it felt a bit needed, a little bit of a cleansing here that the, the, that the narrative was, was about the golf. It was about the team. It was about the country rather than what are you paying me right now? How about for you? I think, I think that's true. I, th- I think now golf's in the Olympics and there's part, you know, there's part of that feel at the Olympics too. Uh, I, I think it's really player dependent. Too. And I think certainly for the American team, there's a core of players that you can tell. And Justin Thomas is a great example. There's, you know, in the, there's a core in the American team that they, it loves the team aspect. They love the patriotic aspect of it. Um, that hasn't always been 
the case. Yeah, you know, Tiger, I think, was never really a big rah-rah team guy during the mm-hmm. peak of his powers because I think it was so different that you know he was you know, squishing these guys week in and week out, and then to the, go be pals for a week or two every every year or two just wasn't. I don't think that was in his DNA. It's only now that he's less competitive, and I put say that with quotation marks around it that he seems to have embraced that yeah. team rah-rah thing Mickelson was never a big team guy so I mean the, the core players of the American team for 10 15 almost 20 years you know I, I think there there was a cooling of that and, and I think a big part of that too is as as players became more aware of what the 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 business piece was for the for the Ryder Cup and for the President's Cup and who was making money but they they were I think in some cases resentful that it was supposed to not be about the money for them, but it was about the money for everybody else. And um, I think if you can step aside from that a little bit and take it for what it is, uh, then you see what you saw this weekend where, yeah. I mean, those players were, they, you know, Max Homa said the feeling of making that putt to win his match on Saturday was five times better than anything he's experienced winning a tournament on his own. And I, th- I think that's real. I've, I spent time with Max yeah. and with Mark Blackburn over a couple of weeks this summer doing a cover story and doing a big video shoot. And, 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 you know, I think every bone in that guy's body is genuine. And, and when mm-hmm. he says something like that, and you can see the visceral reaction that he has to making that putt, that is a different thing. And the more we can see that, the more you can see things, you know, when you, when you saw Roger Federer retiring this weekend and, and he and the dollar crying on the, on the court, where there's the you know real emotion attached to winning and losing, I think for the average fan, you know, seeing the Buffalo Bills defensive coordinator break his tablet because the play didn't go right, you want to see those visceral emotions where it's more about you know anger and joy and triumph and you know and all the you know all the emotions that go with competing, not what's in the back of your mind that you know somebody got two hundred and fifty million dollars to go to live or you know right. somebody's going to make. $12 million for winning a, a FedEx cup or something like that. Yeah. I think you make some good points with tiger and feel, I mean, you know, they didn't, it didn't, it wasn't like on the top of the list for them. Like right? oh. they played in it because they had to, right. I guess they, they felt obligated to, and we know they struggled, um, you know, from the Ryder cup perspective, the president's cup has been pretty lopsided for many years, but now this new generation come in, we saw it last year up in whistling straits. You know, this is a whole new nucleus now, and you've got Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth as, as dominant as they have been. And I want to talk about Jordan Spieth here in a little bit more and deeper because I feel like Spieth, Spieth looked like, I, I, you know, we've seen him win again and play well at times, but that looked like Jordan Spieth to me back in 2017. I mean, that was peak Jordan Spieth. But, you know, Thomas Spieth, Shoffley, Cantley, I mean, those two are just killers together. Sure. Um, and now you've got these, this group of people following them. I mean, Scheffler's following them. Tony Finau's following them. Sam Burns following them. If it means something to you and you're the leader, it's going to mean something to me. And I think that's where we are. Now. And that's cool to see. Um, and, and, and I've got a question for you as it pertains to Ryder Cup versus the President's Cup. And you look kind of ahead because, you know, this team, they beat the Europeans by what, 10? I mean, I think it was a 10 point win. Yeah, nine and a half, 10. It was a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And now they, they beat the international team by five. And I look at the international team, which was decimated, as we mentioned, 
Um, but there's a, there's definitely a change of the guard in the Ryder cup. You know, this European team, you know, they're going to have to start, you know, bringing in some young players as well, because the days of, of Poulter and Westwood um, and Sergio and those guys, it's over, you know, and who's going to be that next generation of players. So you look at the next four years, in your opinion, Matt, who's going to give the Americans the best run over the next four years? Is it going to be the Europeans or is it going to be this, what I think is kind of now this up and coming international team? Well, let's just assume that the live roster is static now and there's not going to be any more defections. I I, I will say, first off, that the the U.S. team went through kind of a generational reset. You know, Tiger comes off the Ryder Cup team. Phil comes off the Ryder Cup team. And you look at using the President's Cup team this weekend and the Ryder Cup team a couple years ago, it's striking the average age now, how how much it's come down. Mm -hmm. And and I think the, the Europeans are going through a painful reset, of course, sort of a live generated reset. But ultimately, I think in the long term, it's going to be good for European Ryder Cup golf because you need to get what the Europeans got so many for so many years with with Alathabal and with Sergio and with you know, all of these younger players coming up through and getting so much experience at a young age. And, you know, they took some lumps at the beginning of that, then became dominant in the Ryder cup because you had so many young players with so much experience in, in the Ryder cup. The only way to get that experience is to do it. So, yep. um, anyway, I think this was a painful way. It's a painful way to lose Stenson. It's a painful way to lose, lose Sergio. It's a painful way to lose a lot of Ryder cup experience, but maybe that was a cleaner break to do it than to, you know, have, have those guys not make a team or not get selected. So, um, I, I agree with your, point which is that the fire we saw in the international team and and the potential especially with young tom kim type players Mm -hmm. that that bodes really well for the future of the international team and the president's cup now does that mean they're going to be able to compete which with clearly an american juggernaut this this american team could be currently constructed minus a a kevin kisner type for for the next 10 years i mean those guys could all play for the next 10 years yeah will's out one of their best players didn't even play (laughs) absolutely and scotty scheffler the number one player in the world probably played the worst out of anybody in both teams for 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 the weekend so when you can take the number one player in the world and have him you know go i think he went oh three and one something like that you know if you can get if your team is deep enough that the number one player in the world can do that and you can win comfortably, <laughs> it's an example of how deep the, the roster is. So um, there's certainly more optimism in the minute for the, for the, the, uh, the internationals and the president's cup, but Rory McIlroy is still a member of the, of the European Ryder cup team. There's a lot of young, sure. exciting players <laughs> on the European tour, the Rasmus Hogarth, you know, there, there, there's, there, there's plenty of firepower, over there too. And, and as we see so many of the great greatest players in the world, whatever, you know, home tour they plan with the exception of live, of course, um, you know, playing in a lot of the same world golf championships slash major championships slash players championship events. Um, it, it isn't like they're, they're going to be young players from Europe showing up starstruck, just like the international team wasn't starstruck this weekend. They didn't have as many good players, but there was plenty of uh, clutch shots hit by people that many, many, many American fans might not even recognize if they walked in off the street. Right. Well, I mean, look no further than, you know, the, the open to France, uh, Guido Migliozzi. There's a guy that, that they need to, to, 
you know, sure. come to come to the surface. The 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 great young Italian player. He's 25 years of age. The Hogarth sure. brothers. Um, Victor Hovland. Um, I mean, he is he's yeah. a fantastic player. Hogard uh, Rasmus finished second. Um, so there's two guys right there, Megliosa and Hogard that finished one two. Uh, so yeah, they're, they're they're look they're they're gonna they're gonna bubble up. It's gonna mean something to them, and it'll be interesting. I'm really curious to see what that team looks like. Um, when we go over the pond next week, but back to the, let's go back to the president's cup here, um, at, uh, at Quell hollow, let's go winners and losers. Um, if you look at, let's start with the international team. Anybody stand out to you as a kind of the, the winner or loser or both, where would you go there on the international team? Oh, I mean, if you look at, I'll just use Adam Scott as an example, right? The, the chatter around, Adam Scott leading into the president's cup was, you know, could he conceivably take the live golf money and, and, and not play in this event? Or is he just stalling to play one more time before he goes and takes the money? And um, I think every, you know, Adam Scott is, is, uh, was the one sort of brand name on that roster that everybody knew. And he did exactly what you would hope for a, for a, in a mentor style role on a, in a team event. But he, but he played great too. So he's a, he was a mentor for the young players that he was paired with. He was a mentor for the Australian players on the team. Um, the, he gave some really insightful interviews, um, and, and you know he played great golf. So so I think the I think what every team captain has 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 discovered is you have to be able to pair these kind of personalities, these mentor mentee kind of personalities, you've got to, you've got to um, infuse your team with the positive stuff and keep the negative stuff out. And uh, you know, the, the challenge for, for the international team and the president's cup is the same one that the European team is going to have to deal with in the Ryder cup here shortly, which is when some of that leadership has been plucked away, you know, where, where do you find it? So mm-hmm. I mean, that, that was a big, uh, sort of a, a an, an undercover victory that might not be so obvious when you look at the score and, and and less obvious than a lot of the fireworks that we saw on the golf course. I mean, Tom Kim's a great, but you know, he's an exciting player. Yeah. We're going to be watching him for 20 years. And that was a breakout, a breakout uh, experience for him. Yeah. The, the leadership, I think is a valid point. That's probably as they, as they look ahead on the international side, who, you know, how many more does Adam Scott have? He could very well go to live. I mean, and then, you know, Matsuyama obviously is the biggest name, Masters champ. Matsuyama was one, two, and one. His putter let him down a little bit. He was 0 and two and four ball. Um, Adam Scott was two and three. I mean, the big, at least the the popular pick uh, it would have to be Tom Kim. Um, right. And, you know, I posted on Wednesday, I said he was the one player that I was the most excited to watch. Um, you know, he's a, we don't know a lot about him, right? He came in, he's got the one win now um, on the PGA tour. And that win, of course, was at the Wyndham. But I think as we've, as we've kind of grown to know who Tom Kim is the player, you're looking at a guy that, um, you know, has that kind of dominant iron game, you know, and we know how important that is on the PGA tour. I mean, he is a terrific iron player. He's going to gobble you up when it comes to strokes gain approach. He's going to have a lot of good looks. I think his driver, um, you know, I think he's a good driver of the ball. He's not overly long. He's just over 300, but he's a, he's a, 
he's a good enough driver of the ball. He's not going to overpower golf courses, but he's going to let his irons go to work. His short game probably needs a, I think a little bit of work to be that world-class kind of player. And he seems to be, you know, a little erratic with the putter um, where it can be really chilly. I mean, we look, you can see some pretty chilly rounds with the putter, but then when it's hot, he can fill it up as well. But I think the biggest thing, when you look at Tom Kim, it's that situational golf. I mean, he has a flair for the moment and, and, you know, like he, he wants the big stage and, and when the big stage is knocking and it's like, look, we, can you, can you take a step through? I think Tom Kim is taking that step through and we like what we see. I mean, he's, he's young. He's got a great story from South Korea. He's only 20 years of age. Um, and he's got some flair. He's got some personality. He's not afraid to show it. And the American audience is their arms are open. I mean, I love this kid. I mean, and I, and I just pray that live doesn't gobble them up. I, I just, you know, I mean, here is the PGA tour creating the stage here. This kid walks through wins the Wyndham. I think an absolute big name takeaway from the president's cup. And uh, Hey, we'll pay 125 mil. You come over here. I just, I hate, I hate to see it happen. I, I think you can, you can go down the list in terms of, you know, for, if we're playing uh, a golf video game and we're, rating players in short game, rating in the long game, all the different mechanical tools that it takes to do it. All those things are important, as you said. But one thing that he has, Tom has in common, I think, with someone like Will Zalatoris, they look like stars. They're yeah. charismatic players. When you're watching them, you can tell they care, and you you have a strong reaction to them playing. And that piece is a huge separator in golf, in, in certainly in comparison to other sports. I think when you have that charisma, when you have that presence and people want to pay to go watch you play golf, that's exactly the reason why he, he would be in demand. I mean, not only does he come from a, a golf crazy uh, country, but people, people respond to him and they want to watch him. And, yep. uh, you know, the, you said it when you said the tour is in the business of, of building the, you know, the, putting out, putting the, competitive environment in place to, to create these kinds of stars. But, but, you know, I, I do think it's incumbent on the PJ tour to create a system that, that gives these stars a pathway to, to get out and stay on tour. And, and I understand what, you know, what they're doing by changing some of the, some of the qualifications, you know, we're talking really practically speaking, 70 players are going to matter on the PJ tour now. And I, and it's, and it's very, uh, earnestly and intentionally designed to to funnel more of the prize money to the the most prominent players, but the 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 thing that could challenge the, you know the PGA Tour's existence in a fundamental way is if somehow the pipeline of young players gets interrupted from college golf into the PGA Tour, and if Liv figures out, I mean there are no dummies, I'm sure they're already working on that, but if yeah. if you can poach young talent college talent, you know, you know, international players who are in their late teens and early twenties and, and starve the PGA tour of that young, exciting talent. That's a problem. And and that's something the tour has to figure out how to, how to deal with. Glenn Fittich, the world's most awarded single malt scotch whiskey is expertly crafted and made with extraordinary care. Each single malt is a work of perfection. Yeah. And, and they already have, I mean, uh, one of the names that people don't know a lot about is Eugenia Chikara. 
um, who I've watched play in person a couple times. And there's a name that would, I guarantee you, the, the Ryder Cup team on the European side would love to have. I mean, he is a talented young player, went to Oklahoma State, and he just jumped straight to live. Um, and he's been on the podcast before, and he's going to come on again after Miami. But that's the kind of names, Chikara, who didn't splash, have that moment. But I would put Chikara right there with Kim. I mean, they're, they're right. the same caliber player that he's been poached. And now, you know, is Kim going to go there? Hopefully not. The South Koreans have seemed to put up a pretty good wall, and they both they all played well um, um, when it comes to the President's Cup. I, I think also another name from a, a, a winner standpoint, would be uh, Sebastian Munoz. I just can't help think Munoz, 29, um, beat the number one player in the world in single Scheffler. I, I just, as I was watching that, and Munoz has so much talent. Colombian, he makes, he falls out of bed and makes six birdies. So much talent, a little inconsistent. He's got to clean up some things. But I just wonder, Scheffler beats John Rahm in the Ryder Cup. John Rahm, number one player in the world. We've seen what Scheffler's done since then. <laughs> I mean, I mean, he's just taken off. Munoz, okay, I, I don't think quite the level of player of Scheffler. Beats the number one player. And Scheffler played pretty clean on, on Sunday. And, and Munoz played better. Um, what's this going to do for him? And, and these are the names now, right, that are going to make up this team for years to come. Can Munoz take that next step and clip off a couple wins on the PGA Tour? Because he has the talent. He's just got to be a little bit more inconsistent. But as we've seen in the past, Matt, when you go head to head and you beat the number one player in the world, psychologically, that can now elevate the ceiling a little bit and bring up, you know, it can bring up the floor a little bit and just take it to a whole nother level. Oh, there's, there's no doubt. You make a, you make a great point. And um, I, I got the assignment to do the Scotty Scheffler cover story. And we shot that early in this calendar year, sort of in the middle of the PJ tour season. And as we were making the arrangements to do this cover, you know, he had won, Scotty had won in Phoenix, you know, he, he, had, he had been doing some things to show that he was on the come. And then while we're doing the shoot, he wins the match play. And then in between doing the shoot and when the cover comes out, he wins the masters and all, you know, the conversations all the way through with Scotty and with his coach, who's one of my dear friends, Randy Smith, one of my favorite people in golf, the, the conversations were all very similar, which is if you're, if you're watching Scotty Scheffler's ascendancy, you know, he's the PGA Tour Rookie of the Year. He was, you know, everywhere he's played, he's been a terrific player. The, the question was, when was he going to win a PGA Tour event? And to your exact point, Playing in playing in the Ryder Cup, getting that experience on the biggest stage, having your resolve tested under this incredible pressure, playing an important match against the number one player in the world—that was the little bit, the little ingredient that you add at the end of the recipe that separates a Michelin star restaurant from one that's just pretty good. Mm -hmm. And and so he got that little dose of what he needed, and it translated. You know, the skill was there. You know, the talent, everything was there, and now you've got the the recipe that turns him into a world beater. So I think that 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 is a thing. There's no question. I mean, obviously you've got to deliver on it. You've got you've got to then you know you've got to consolidate that gain and go and, and win the tournaments. But uh, but 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 there's something to be said for these quantum leaps. I think Will Zalatoris would tell you the same story. You know, going through those experiences 
those yep. near misses at major championships, it just proved to him, you know, it didn't prove a negative that he couldn't do it. It proved to him that he's just as good as anybody else. And he, and he was right and knocking on the door and it's going to open at some point. And it, and it did. Hey, you go to the USA side, some of the, some of the winners on that side, you know, I think obviously you, you got to start with Jordan Spieth, five and oh, and you know, you just realize, and you, and you always known this when we follow golf as closely as we do, but you look at some of the, the American players that went to live and that weren't there. I mean, I don't think anybody's missing Patrick Reed. I think we're well past this captain America stuff. Um, DJ as good as he's playing. I mean, can you imagine if DJ was on that team? Um, Bryson and Brooks seem to be kind of figuring some things out, not playing great, but you know, all these names that have left and they do feel some, they all feel kind of replaceable outside of perhaps DJ. I feel like DJ's winning and, what he meant as the, you know, kind of the old guy, you know, at, uh, at, at the Ryder cup, part of that team. Um, you know, you can't, I don't think you can replace Spieth, you know, I'm just how big of a name he is and how much fun it is to watch him play the way that he played. That's the best I've seen him play, um, since 2017. I mean, you know, you're always going to have kind of the erratic shots and this and that, and we've seen glimpses of it, but that was vintage Spieth right there. Just incredible chip-ins, making bombs, the ball striking. Go- I mean, Jordan Spieth looked like Jordan Spieth to me, you know, and, and, and I just think, you know, going into that, look, it's been kind of a quiet year for him. I, you know, look, I know he won the RBC Heritage, but, you know, the major championships, he was eighth at the Open. But outside of that, he wasn't really a factor at all. And he shows up there and it just looked like, I don't know, like just, I was just watching him, listening to him. It looked like Jordan Spieth. It looked like that's the guy, that's the guy I recognized like from six, seven years ago. That's him. That's Jordan Spieth yep. right there. Are we going to see that next year, you think? Uh, I, I think I was doing a big piece with him and the timing happened to be when he, this was when he was at the depths of the struggle with the driver. And when he was really in the middle of, working it out and it seemed like you couldn't be any farther away from it than he was. And I think what's so remarkable about him is number one, he, he might be the nicest human on the planet, whether <laughs> he's struggling or whether, whether he's playing great. And that builds such a tremendous amount of goodwill with other players, with people around the game, with people at, you know, on tournament sites, that that's an enormous, you know, he's an enormously popular figure for that reason, whether he's playing great or not. And then the other piece that's so amazing about Jordan Spieth is he doesn't do it the same way other players do it who are physically dominating, physically impressive players. He doesn't hit it as far as Rory does. He doesn't, you know, he's he's not a high speed, you know, bomb it down there player. He does it with the way he thinks about the game. He does it with incredible short game. He does it with incredible shots in the moment that you need to hit those shots. And it is so hard to to do what he's doing or have to have the career that he's had and to do it at a, you know, a 10 mile an hour club at speed disadvantage to the best players in the world. Yeah. It's, it's so much harder to win with your B game when you're that kind of player than it is if you're Rory or John Rob, you know, someone like that. Yeah. So to, to not only do it in the first place, which he did and to get as far away from it and as far down as he did and to put the work in to get it back and to be that player again, when ball speeds are only going up, you know, the, the, the players that he's playing against now 
you know, they can they can cruise it by him and, and it doesn't deter him at all. And he can still be the guy, you know, on a, on a golf course when of all those teams, I mean, Kevin Kisner might have been the only player who didn't have as much ball speed as Jordan Speed. And, and to, to be the dominant player over the weekend when you're in that status in terms of how far you hit it, it's it's remarkable. Haymaker Coffee Company was established in 2021 to create the best coffee to fuel the underdogs who perseveres, who hustles, and have the give-it-all mentality to achieve their American dream. Haymaker Coffee, only roast, top quality, specialty-grade coffee beans resulting in brews that satisfies those who demand every drop from their coffee and day. If you work hard, run hard, fight hard, and play hard, we have your coffee right here. It's kind of funny when they were interviewing after one of the wins, Spieth and Thomas, who were paired together, um, and they asked JT, you know, does that surprise you at all what Spieth was doing down the stretch or any of that? And JT kind of poked up and said, no, that was nothing what he did today. Like what you saw today, the magic of Spieth, that was nothing. I mean, you haven't seen anything yet in what this guy is capable of. And yeah, he, he does do it a different way. Um, he, he's not overpowering a golf course, as he said, although he has gotten longer, he has coming out on the other side of this a little bit longer, but he did sacrifice three years of his career, it seems. Um, but he, he doesn't go around like in this masterful way and not make mistakes. Like he hits weird shots, but then he, but then that's when the magic starts. Like, right. then you're like, Oh, awesome. He's over there. He's got no shot everybody pull up. Let's watch. Like, instead of most guys, you're like, Oh my God, close my eyes. You know, I mean like Corey Connors hits it to 10 feet for a birdie. And you're like, you want to close your eyes. Like, you don't like, you can't make a pot. You can't get it up and down. We're speed. You hope he hits it in this insane spot off the tee or around the green, because that's when it all just gets started. He might make it, (laughs) you know, from there. And it's just the, the, I think people have this, uh, you know, Jordan Spieth looks like the, the, your next door neighbor who who would get the, your kitten out of the tree for you. But <laughs> that guy is a, a, a relentless competitor and the focus that he has when you watch him, it's almost manic when you're watching him on the golf course, you know, the, the, the way he paces off shots and the, and the, the, his relentlessness in the match play scenario and his competitiveness behind the scene, whether it's playing table tennis, you, you name it, you know, the, the, all of those guys, and I mean this in the nicest way possible have, you know, they have a, a screw loose when it comes to the, their competitiveness. Yeah. And um, just to be able to, you know, I, I have so much respect for, for anybody who's willing to, to go do that and dig it out the way he did it. When everyone in the world was, was, you know, saying that he was done, they're saying that he, that he should change his team and get rid of his coach and, you know, do all this different stuff. And he, he did it his own way and he stuck with his own, people and he found it again and he's winning tournaments and he, and he put on a display at the, the president's cup and, you know, to be able to do it, I mean, with it, with a guy who's a good friend like JT and to, and to, you know, bring that room together at a time when the, the live stuff has really disrupted a lot of the friendships that are, that are, that happen yeah. in professional golf. I, I think, I mean, that, that's something that can get lost too. And when you, when you see the harmony in that room and how much they enjoyed being together and how much all those, you know, a player like Max Homa talking about how amazing that experience was just from a team room perspective, all those things are so positive for the long-term future of, 
American team golf, whether it's the Ryder Cup and President's Cup. Um, those are all enormously positive things. This this could have been a, a scene like we've seen at Ryder Cups before where you had all kinds of dominant uh, players in terms of world ranking who never really fit together in the team room. And whether yeah. that was the captain's responsibility or whether some of the players didn't have the right attitude coming into the event. We've seen that show before where yeah. if you're comparing, where we're comparing world rankings, the team with the dominant uh, position or world rankings didn't play that way on the golf course. That didn't happen this weekend. Yeah. I mean, the team room's definitely improved. I mean, there's no question they've gotten tighter. Um, there's no way you could have let some of these live guys into the locker room. It would have been, a disaster um, from that standpoint. And you mentioned Max Home. I'll finish with this. And then I want to ask you about, as we kind of look ahead here to the fall season, um, you know, Max, I mean, my goodness, it's, it's just all coming to the surface for him. Uh, Mark Blackburn, you mentioned, has done some good stuff with him. Mark's going to be on the podcast this week, talking through some of the, some of the changes that, you know, he has made technically, um, you know, his, his hands are not as high at the top and the shafts pitched a little differently. I mean, there's some, there's some different stuff that's, transpired you know with um with max and and mark blackburn which will be interesting we'll cover that later in the week but you're looking at five wins now with this guy you know two last season already won this season with the fortnight which kicked off the new calendar year he went back to back there uh he makes president's cup now team for the first time he goes four and oh um i mean this guy's just checking all the boxes and and i would have to think now when you, when you look at his game and he knows this, that now it's becoming more relevant. The next step is in major championships. I think yeah. he's long enough. I think his approach game has gotten good. His short game um, has seemed to improved. You know, like I think he's, he's positioned his game now in a way and his confidence has to be through the roof here with these wins and the experience at the president's cup. And just the fact that for Max, I think that, that he, he belongs in that room, right? Like, he belongs in the room with JT, Spieth, Xander, Cantlay, Scheffler, right? All these guys. These are confident people, but they're human beings. And as you start checking, as you start climbing the ladder, I think for Max, it's like, yeah, I belong here. And I think next year, his game, it's suited. We, we should see some top tens at the, the very least in major championships. You agree? I do. And, and, I think you, the, the players you just mentioned, I think there's an interesting cast of players where you have, I think you have Xander Shoffley, Patrick Cantley, Max Homa. They're in the same waiting room, I think, right now. They're in the major championship waiting room, which yeah. is, okay, yeah. now, now you've, you, you have, a, you have a, um, a resume that, that speaks very clearly to what the next step is. And I'm sure all three of those guys are sitting during their, quarter, their you know, two-minute long offseason writing up their goals for, for the next season and, and major championships are on that list. And, and the only way to, to do it is to go and do it. And I mean, I would, I would love to say that it was as easy as deciding to go, you know, register a top 10 in a major. If I could, if I could write instruction stories in golf digest that showed people how to do that, I wouldn't have to worry about my kids (laughs) education to be paid for. (laughs) But, uh, um, but you're you're so right about the belief part, yeah. and and I think it's such a powerful reason why, for example, a coach like Butch Harmon does so well and is such a genius is because you know Butch fixes those fixes the issues that players have, but he also gives player a sense of belief that they're good enough 
to do what they want to do. And uh, I think it comes from uh, seeing success and seeing the work you put in manifest and in, in achieving something at the next level. I think it comes, you know, using Scotty as an example, it comes from a coach like Randy Smith, you know, helping you with that. Some of, some of that belief, I think it's a, it's a cocktail of things that work together to create that belief. And, you know, we saw it with John Rahm. He's a, it's a great example. You know, he, he, he was an extremely talented player yeah. who needed to figure out how to not turn off his emotions, but just control them just enough to be able to, to, to stream them over four days in the major. And he did it and he blew everybody away. And uh, one thing too, that I, I think is, is fun to remember is we've been on an incredible run when you look at what Tiger did, for example, and when you look at what Rory did when he came out at the beginning of his career in major championships, and when you look what, at what Jordan Spieth did coming out at the beginning of his career in major championships, those just aren't things that players, for the most part, did for 25 years before that. You know, the, to, to launch your career in your early 20s and to come out and just blow everybody away and win all these majors, winning majors is hard. Yeah. And, and you know, we've been fortunate in our business, you know, you and I have gotten to see over the last 20 years, some of the most incredible major championship performances and major championship portfolios. I mean, the, if you look at the run that Phil went on, even, you know, when he, when it took him a while to win his first major, but then the run he went on to win majors, the run that Brooks Kepka went on to win majors over two and three seasons. I think th- those are outlier experiences and for some fans that have come to the sport in the last 10 years it might feel like that's what you're supposed to do but it's hard to do what those players have done and you know there's there's hall of famers that that have one major that they have two majors you know davis love won one major you know you know if you look at what zach johnson's done it's an unbelievable career and 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 you're talking about two major championships so um i don't want to discount how hard it is to win one winning one is hard. And, um, the, 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 but the players, like I said, the players I'm looking forward to watching in that kind of waiting room are Shoffley for sure. I mean, that, yeah. that the moment doesn't ever seems to get too big for him. He loves major championships. I'm excited to see what he can do being up close with Max Homa this, this year and spending time with him and, and, and Mark Blackburn, it, it would be great. I mean, number one, Max is so, fantastic in the interview room he's you know he's so insightful he's always got a an interesting take he thinks about things and and gives you real answers to your questions selfishly as somebody in my seat someone like that and, and Shockley's that way too yep. those would be terrific winners just because of how introspective and insightful they are about more things than just golf and uh and when you watch Patrick Cantley play golf that guy when he's when he's right, I mean, it, it look it looks so easy. The the every shot looks so easy. It looks like he can't lose. And I mean, th- those are three guys I think who are next up in that waiting room. Yeah, I think the hurdles for Shoffley was just and we, we knew he's gonna he's he's always there. It's just putting some wins away. You know, I think mm-hmm. he's this year. I think he's learned how to win more down the stretch. Situational golf, the win at the Travelers, the win at the Genesis Scottish Open. Finished fourth of the tour champ. I think the hurdle for him was more of that. Where Homa, I think it's kind of more like, yeah, I belong in this room. Right. Because because Homa, when he's in the hunt, I, that dude's not afraid to win. I mean, no. like he just busts through the door. Like you're going to have to go get him. Where Xander felt like he was, he would kind of fade back to the, like he, like he wasn't comfortable there. And now it looks like was Xander is like, no, I'm, I'm okay. Let's, let's just keep the pedal down. Let's, let's start putting a couple away. I think he'd learned how to win. 
I think Max, at least for all intents and purposes, looks very comfortable winning. But the belief of, you know what? I belong in this room. I actually belong in the, the conversation of these teams and now winning a major championship. I have the game to do it. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes. I guess quickly, you know, some losers. <laughs> um, you know, tough week, obviously, for Scheffler. He didn't have his best stuff. Uh, zero, three, and one. Uh, Burns, surprisingly, zero, three, and two, although I think Burns played better than that. Um, Kisner, zero, two, and one. You go to the international side. I mean, the Canadians, my goodness, Corey Connors, Taylor Pendrith, both 0 and 4. Um, they hurt their team, you know, a little bit there. Mito, again, I think kind of like Burns, he was 0, 2, and 1, although I think Mito played better than that. And that's match play. Sometimes you could play great and uh, someone's going to play better than that. Of this whole group, 24 guys, only one of them, well, excuse me, no, there's more than that. There's uh, one in the t- 30, top 35 official World Golf rankings next week, Sanderson Farm. Sam Burns is playing. So he's going to be there. And you look at the rest of the crew here. Munoz, I know, is playing. And I think Bazadenhunt is playing as well. So we got a few guys in the field at Sanderson Farms as we look ahead here to the fall season. This is going to be the second official tournament of the wraparound season, Matt. The season-long race to the FedEx Cup, Sanderson Farms, Mississippi. Are you excited? I am. I'm I'm. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm probably not as excited as Scotty is when you think of the year uh, and see, and you make a good point with Sam Burns is a good example, but I think that it's the, uh, the bliss of youth being able to play such a demanding season, go play in a high intensity presence cup and turn around and play the first event after it too is it's a remarkable display of energy. And when I, and when I think about Scott using Scotty as an example, what, you know, what his experience was, at the very beginning of the season, when you're not getting called into the media room all the time, when you're not being asked to go ring the bell at the stock exchange, when you're not in every commercial and when you're not getting uh, all the autograph requests and you, and you look at what's transpired during his season, you know, to win a major and to do all these exciting things. I, the tank must just be completely empty by the time you get to, you know, almost October, you get to the president's cup and you've had a season like that. And we've seen it with lots of different, players it isn't it isn't a mystery why tiger would disappear and not play in silly season events quote unquote and we wouldn't see him until january the, the point and, and he realizes very early in his career is if if you don't prioritize this, your your energy for the, th- the tournaments that mean the most to you you're going to run out of energy mm-hmm. and so uh, part of the interesting challenge now obviously the, the, all of these players have made plenty of money it's not you don't need to go out like Jack Nicholas did and, you know, sell insurance in the off season to, to make ends meet. It's how do you do enough to satisfy your playing obligations, satisfy your sponsor obligations, but also rest enough and, and be quiet enough to be fresh when the season starts. So, that, I mean, that's, that's the, you know, that when you're, when your circumstance changes like that, how you deal with it, how your team helps you deal with all of a sudden this dramatically different world that you live in. That's fascinating for me to watch. Yeah. Well, I'll finish with this, you know, and, I, and, and this is, this is a topic that we've kicked around a lot here on the podcast. Uh, just this, this, the schedule in itself for the PGA tour. And there's a lot of layers. I think you could break down in the discussion of, of the schedule of the PGA tour and the thinking of the PGA tour for basically 
the duration here for many, many years. I mean, what we're seeing with the schedule this year, and we know it's going to change next year, um, it has been the thinking for the tour, right? Just more tournaments, more opportunities for our members. We're looking at 46 events. I mean, 46 roughly weeks that there's going to be a PGA tour event. And, you know, I've always said, look, all these tournaments I get, you have to take care of your, all of your members, right? But I've felt that it, it just gets too watered down. And you look at the ranking or you look at the ratings of PGA Tour Golf on television. I mean, the president's got, they haven't been great. Like the core audience is watching it. But when we go back to the discussion that we had before we came on and, and trying now to attract this next generation of, of an audience into it, is this the best way to lead your product out there? People are turning the PGA Tour on and there ain't nobody there from a star perspective. You're not going to see the names right. that you just saw at the president's cup. So to me, it gets watered down. I, and I had, I had Russell Knox in studio last week and I told him that, you know, and I said, look, I, I think the PGA tour and these elevated events and where they're going, like that's the PGA tour. And, and, and Russell recognizes that he's a mid tier player and he recognizes that he has to play the fall schedule because he can make some, Hey, he can make some points there. It'd be silly for Russell Knox not to play. Uh, it'd be silly for JT Poston not to play. It'd be silly for uh, Keegan Bradley not to play. You know, the, these, these are the guys, right, that are kind of that mid-tier player that can make some hay and make a lot of points. But for the PGA Tour, you're not, you're not putting your best foot forward. And now that you have a, a competitor in Liv, the one thing that I do like about Liv, Matt, is that when I turn Liv on, I know who's playing. You know, and, and, and I know who's going to be there as far as the stars. And I know it's not a fair fight from a money perspective, but where I'm going with this, this season has been the thinking of the PGA tour for a long time, next season and on it's a whole new game now. And it's all because of what live has attacked in the weakness mm -hmm. of consolidating the events down and leading with your biggest names, every single what you know, what to expect. I hope that the elevated events, whatever they are, 15, 18, 20 events, to me, I, that's the PGA Tour. That should be the brand. Those events, that's the PGA Tour, your top players. You know what you're going to get when you turn it on. Am I wrong? Well, I think you're right. And the challenge, I think, for the tour is twofold, which is not only when you stretch the season out the way it's stretched, what happens every weekend now in September and October and November. I know what happens in my house, my wife is the world's biggest college football fan. Yeah. And if I walk into my house and turn, turn on the, an event, you know, a, a October, November PGA tour event, instead of a college football game, I'm going to get pushback in my house. And that's true. <laughs> in many houses across yeah. the country. Yeah. And when you're competing against college football or NFL football with events that have fields that are not as strong as the ones we're going to see in the spring, that's a fundamental challenge. Now, I also think that uh, you know, judging the events strictly by their TV rating is is we have to be cautious about that because I think there's other benefits to having those events. And if players in those events, you know, if, if you're getting winners in those events and you're getting players that gain status from those events, your those events are serving a very important purpose to populate your events when you get to the peak of the season with entertaining young talent. And if, I think if you have to be careful about how you build the schedule, because if you take that runway 
away. You know, I'll just use Cole Hammer as an example. You know, if Cole Hammer plays in one of these events here this week or next week and wins a tournament, is it better for the PJ Tour that Cole Hammer wins a tournament and he's exempt and he can play in more tournaments next year? Absolutely, I think that's better yeah. for the PJ Tour. The challenge for the tour is if you create this ecosystem where only 70 players get rewarded, those players are going to be very wealthy, comparatively speaking. You might also be stealing some paths, some easier path, and I use easier very loosely because it's not easy. But if you, if you steal some of those easier or more direct pathways for great college players to get onto the PGA Tour, you're just opening it up for them to go play somewhere else, whether that's the European yeah. Tour or live. There has to be a way, there has to be some of these events where the TV rating isn't the primary consideration. It's, you know, how do we get, you know, Victor Hovland, you know, he won in Puerto Rico. That, that was how we first got introduced to Victor Hovland. Yeah. And now, you know, he's one of the biggest international stars in golf and we're going to see him in the Ryder Cup. You know, we're going to see him in, in the all the major championships and we can't lose, you know, if we're, if we're talking about what's best for competitive golf, leaving the tours out of it, we can't lose the pathway for those best players to be playing against each other. And yeah. so whether that means a, a different, a different brand for what happens in the fall, right. whether it means tweaking the schedule, it could be changing some formats. It could be playing in parts of the world where when you watch it, it's not on at the same time as college football. You know, maybe right. it's morning, morning time broadcast or it's evening you know, broadcast, or it could be something that happens during the week. I, I'm not saying any of those, any of those are the right answer, but where you, where you think about the ways that people consume golf and the way stars are made, I feel like the PGA tour should be in the business of trying to make stars and doing things the way that they've done it for a hundred years is not necessarily the best way to make a star in 2022 or 2023. Yeah, no, that's well said. There's gotta be a pathway. Is it a different brand? Is it the corn Ferry tour brand? I don't know. I mean, they're going to want to keep it under that sure. swing and golfer to some degree. I understand. Um, but it's just not, it's not to me, at least in my opinion, it's not the thinking that we've seen that is yielding once again, the schedule this year. I, I just, you know, it just, it's, I'm a hardcore fan. Like I, I love golf. I'm tired, you know, and I want to watch football too. And in all due respect, Sanderson farms and Shriners, but you know, it's just, there's a lot. It's, it's just, it's a lot every single week. And I just feel like it gets too watered down. It'd be nice. You peak. Great President's Cup, you know, all these John Kim or uh, yeah, Tom Kim and Spieth and JT, all these great memories. And now just let me let me rest for a little bit and then sure. let me get re-excited for this buildup that maybe starts in November. I don't know that that is now the next generation. And here we go. We're going to showcase this runway into, you know, January. And now the stars are back. There's just got to be some, there's just got to be a moment where you can take a step back and breathe a little bit and, and kind of walk, get away. I think recharging those batteries helps um, leading with your stars over a 15 to 20 event. That's the PGA tour. I think is the right way to go. I just think that runway up to, it, I think are going to be the, the biggest challenge for Jay and managing these, you know, and managing these, uh, these sponsors, you know, and how it's going to sure. work. I and mean, he's got a tough job ahead of him. 
but I think it's needed. And I hope that they have the team in place that they can execute this plan um, because it's very different than what they've been doing, the way they've been operating up to this point. So where we'll be in six months from now at the players with live and PGA tour, and then where will we be in another year or so in the way the PGA tour will look with, with the schedule so much to talk about. It's fascinating, but I guess more importantly in all of that golf's healthy. People are playing people are outside. They're enjoying it. We're seeing people coming back to the game. We're seeing new golfers in the game. We're seeing the hardcore golfers play a lot and that bodes well for our business, Matt. I know at least for me and teaching golf and talking golf, but I know at golf digest, you guys got to be thrilled with the amount of people that are out there swinging that golf club. Well, there, there's no doubt. I, the, I think the, the golf media business in general and the golf business was struggling leading into COVID. And I, I, I can't put, I can't think of one positive about COVID and with the exception. And, and it's a very narrow exception because it was pretty terrible mm-hmm. um, it, that it got more people to understand that golf is a wonderful game to play. You could be outside, you could, you know, you, it was something you could experience with your friends without being confined. And um, that the, the boom in participation, the boom in uh, people uh, consuming golf instruction, I'm sure your lessons were up, you know, the people yeah. consuming golf instruction, you know, watching golf instruction videos, reading, you know, reading everything that we put out about how to play, you know, beginners coming into the game, you know, you know, that that has been a tremendous positive over the last three years. And, and, you know, what I want more than anything is to consolidate that growth, you know, to keep those people and to keep the interest in the game growing because I, um, the, the worry is always that, you know, look like, you know, the boa constrictor that just swallowed its lunch. You know, there's this one, you know, this, there's this one little three-year time window where we get this growth. And once it passes through the system, like the snake, we go back, you know, you shrink back to what golf was before. And I, I think the, I'm optimistic because the game is, is more accepting now than it was five years ago, even. And um, if you're a new person and you want to go hit balls at a top golf, or if you want to go and, and, you know, you want to play in something that, you know, is loosely affiliated with golf, but doesn't look like the traditional nine or 18 hole, you know, green grass round, you know, to me, it's, it's, it's like pickleball relative to tennis, you know, or I I love to play paddle tennis here in the Northeast. I feel like all of those sports are under the same tent and they should be working together to, to pull people into broadly to racket sports. And I think golf is in the same boat. You know, you, we want to, we want to get people into underneath this tent, having this, this golf club hitting the ball experience, however it happens and, and creating fans that are just as interested to go drink a beer and hit a ball at you know nine o'clock at night with their friends as they are to turning on a broadcast a European tour broadcast at eight o'clock in the morning on a Saturday or going to an event when it comes to their area. I hope all those people buy golf digest and, 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 I, and I hope you and I make an instruction video and they go watch it on golf digest, you know, golf digest schools. And I hope that they, you know, they consume it every way you can consume it. And it doesn't just stay in this, you know, as a very, you know, a, a sport that's, that that's attractive to a narrow segment of the population. Yeah. I can't, I can't wait to to see if we can, you know, use this as a platform instead of just uh, falling back to where we've been before. Yeah. Well said. Um, It's good. And just even behind me here, the about golf simulator, um, 
indoor golf and how much has exploded and all the yeah. instruction that I'm doing indoor now um, and training indoors, we get ready for the winter and simulator golf and, and, and the game aspect in these simulators and what it means to not only adults, but these juniors that are coming through here and just falling in love with golf because of this simulator. Um, so yeah, it, it, we're definitely in a much better spot. I'm excited about it. And I appreciate you coming on and, uh, talking about that, but also all things golf, Matt Rudy, golf digest, senior writer, follow him on Twitter at Rudy Ryder. Matt, thanks for your time, man. Appreciate it. Anytime. Anytime.